honestly, like when, when I made the changes, golf was not even a consideration. Mm-hmm. Like I do this for me. I do this for my family. If my career continued incredible, like that's a huge blessing. Kind of feel like you almost got a second chance, but at the end of the day, like, like I said earlier, this is it. Like mm-hmm. I got to take care of this before I can worry about any of that other stuff. Hello, and welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie Fouché, family physician and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. In this episode, I sit down with three-time PGA Tour winner, Scott Stallings. Scott's story was especially interesting to me because even though he's played as a professional golfer since 2010, he struggled with sleep, excess weight, and lack of energy, which were all compounded by his grueling travel schedule. When he saw a physician and discovered some lab abnormalities, he eventually hit his breaking point. He decided enough was enough, and he started making some huge lifestyle changes, from correcting a sinus problem that was causing sleep apnea, to cleaning up his diet and incorporating CrossFit into his training regimen. Over time, Scott developed strategies to stay on track, even though his career has him on the road more days than he is home. He's now lost over 40 pounds, and his health is better than ever. I really enjoyed getting to know Scott and learning about how he was able to make such big lifestyle changes, as well as the impact they've had on his personal health and happiness, but also on his loved ones. Before we dive into this episode, I do want to make it clear that this podcast is for general information only and does not provide medical advice. I recommend that you seek assistance from your personal physician for any health conditions or concerns. And with that, let's get started with the episode. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm very excited to be here with Scott Stallings, who um, has a very interesting health story to go along with his personal and professional um, career. And so thank you for coming on and being willing to share your story. Yeah, thank you for having me. And uh, I look forward (laughs) to uh, seeing it, especially from the perspective of what you guys and what you've dealt with in your own, you know, competition and now what you're doing in your career and, you know, kind of bridging the gap between what you do and what I do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I thought we could just start with sort of your story of how you got into golf um, and how that became such a big part of your life. Um, I know I grew up in Michigan and my dad was a big golfer. And so I played some, some golf growing up, but was never that good at it. I mean, I don't think we even had, we might've had a golf team at my high school, but I was not good enough to even join the golf team at high school. So I'm always curious, what was the, the hook that really got you into it? And then how did it become something that was, was a focus in your life? I I played like every sport, like like every kid, you know, it was kind of seasonal, uh, baseball, basketball, and soccer was kind of the three sports that I, I, focused on I guess mm-hmm. if that's a thing I know mm-hmm. now it's all the specialization like you're like fully committed to, <laughs> you know 20 hours a week at like seven years old it's like right. goodness gracious uh, right. but golf was something that I always did uh, a bunch of people in my family played my dad played um, but it was never anything like something that was always there it was never really it was kind of what you did in the interim in the in between mm-hmm. the seasons and stuff and I started to progress. I started to progress. And then Tiger Woods came and changed everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, you kind of saw a young kid doing something different that really never been done before in the world of golf. And 
people started paying attention and, and I, and I was one of them as well. And I remember I was, we were on a, a baseball team. We we're getting ready to kind of start the season, get up and going. And uh, the masters is in April and Tiger won his first masters in 2000 in 1997. And I just remember like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I want to do what that guy did. And mm-hmm. like, I, you know, kind of, cut the cord on everything else and focused on golf. And, uh, at, at that moment, golf was by far my, the sport that I was the worst at, okay. <laughs> like it wasn't even close. <laughs> like I'd had like a little bit of like, like dabbling of, you know, some success here and there, but nothing to the point of some of the other sports that I was playing, but, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of fell in love with it from there and, um, was able to pursue a career. I played golf at Tennessee tech. Uh, then graduated, kind of banged around like many tours, kind of developmental tours for about a year and a half or so. Um, and then I got my PJ tour card in December of 2010. Wow. And so what, how old were you when you saw that tournament and, and said, oh, that's what I want to do? 13. 13. Okay. So you were 12, 12, 13, uh, somewhere okay. right in there. <laughs> okay. So pretty young, but it's always so interesting to me. Like, what are those moments that really captivate someone and, and set that set in motion that goal or that dream that then changes everything that you do. Like you said, you could have continued to pursue these other sports, but there was something about that moment or seeing what Tiger was capable of that stuck with you that said, this is what I want to do and put all of your effort towards it. Yeah. I, I just remember watching and seeing this kid that, you know, people knew about, but not like, you know, you always kind of know about that up and comer. And then it like the moment happens where like, Oh, he is what we thought he was. Mm-hmm. And, and then like, everyone has that moment of like, Oh no, <laughs> like it, it's <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And it was, and it was kind of like the, the fact of all throughout the tournament, it just just the whole, you know, everything that surrounds the masters and the mystique of a young, you know, minority kid from California that's doing things that no one has ever seen. And it just gets into a point of where you see these guys that are kind of just, you know, they were on the gravy train was rolling. Mm-hmm. These guys, you know, not, not much had really changed in the world of golf, you know, and everything. And then it just over almost overnight, it'll never be the same again. And I'm just sitting back, I'm watching Mm -hmm. with my dad. It's like, let's go do what that guy's doing. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) And uh, it was incredible. And I've been fortunate enough to not a lot of guys get to pursue a professional career and have a chance to go compete and play against the guy that inspired them to want to do what they do for a living. Mm -hmm. So it has been uh, incredible. Obviously Tigers had, uh, influence over a lot of different people in a lot of different ways, but, uh, the way that he kind of to be able to go out there and play against him the last few mm-hmm. years on tour has been, it's been pretty great. That's really incredible. So you really put all of your effort into golf and have a lot of success, obviously being able to play in college and interesting. I think a lot of people listening to the podcast have heard Tennessee tech before because of Rich Froning and now Haley Adams going there and just that, that it's in Cookville um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird, uh, like everyone know, like, but Rich and I didn't know each other till after college. <laughs> Were you there at the same time? Yeah. He's a year younger than me, but we, okay. like, we had a bunch of mutual acquaintances, but everyone just assumed like, oh, you guys are like college buddies. Like, no, <laughs> like we all, we knew each other like after the fact and 
and everything. Uh, the his first CrossFit Games uh, win was the same weekend that I won my first tournament on tour. So it's just oh, like all cool. this like super coincidental things, and yeah, uh, uh, and you know now that kind of transitioning to to that part, especially utilizing that relationship, when I was kind of starting to make some changes and starting to see some things that you know, may or may not have put me in the, the right path. Like he was one of the first people I reached out to mm-hmm. and like, all right, you're literally the fittest person in the world. What do I do? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I have no idea. <laughs> not and a bad person so, to ask for advice. <laughs> <laughs> correct. <laughs> correct. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. So yeah. T- can you talk about then those early years of just playing golf professionally and what your health habits were like and how you started to at what point you started to realize that you were having some health issues? Oh, I think a lot. I mean, you know, ignorance is not an excuse, but uh, ultimately, I mean, that's what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure that you see a lot of it, you know, kind of the head in the dirt. I don't want to know, you know, uh, doctors are only going to tell me things that are wrong with me. And instead of like, you know, you see like little glimpses and find out, well, if we find out this is like, happening we can also find the kind of treatment plan and you know not everything is like complete life overhaul like little Mm -hmm. kind of tweaks and little bit of things and that's what I was I was I was fearful I was I'm gonna do what I want when I want as long as I play good and you know I can kind of get away with whatever and unfortunately it doesn't work like that Um, but the the world of golf is unique in the fact that especially now with the way that the tour is, there's no real off season. Um, I'm on the road 250 probably plus days a year. And my rookie year, I slept in my bed, uh, my own bed, 37 nights. Wow. So you're on the road, <laughs> you're on the road a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, you're basically learning to build uh, habits and routines in a constantly changing environment. So Mm -hmm. if you have no plan and you have no like baseline, as far as what you're trying to do on a day-to-day basis, as far as how you're going to recover and how you're going to train and how you're going to practice and how you're going to eat and all these things. And it's just sort of just like throw caution to the wind and just make it up as you go. I -hmm. mean, you're completely screwed (laughs) before you even start. (laughs) Right. Right. And honestly, that's what I was. Um, there wasn't any conscious awareness of any kind of health. I did kind of what I felt like was best efforts. Um, I think it's a, been a well-documented. I had a, a pretty strong obsession with Dr. Pepper okay. <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> I mean, to the point where I'd wake up with it, I'd go to bed with it. I would, yeah. uh, you know, just, All it was long. part of, it was part of what I did. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, then it started, you know, transitioning and, um, you know, but golf was going well, I was progressing. I was seeing things change. I had, I now, you know, got my PGA tour card and had success early. Uh, I won basically, I won twice in, you know, just under a year Mm -hmm. and just kind of right out of the gate. And it was just like, man, this is great. Mm -hmm. And just slowly but surely kind of started to like, you know, the kind of the volume of the travel and the playing and the practice. And, and I had makes made some strides as far as like how to train and, and, you know, sort of started kind of building a little bit of a baseline as far as, man, I probably should do a little better job of taking care of myself. 
especially mm-hmm. in golf, there's so many, we do so, there's so much asymmetry and the repetitive mm-hmm. movement. There's just not enough time to undo that. So you have to figure out a way to kind of be resilient and understand the, like how to just kind of deal with things that are going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 2013, my wife and I, uh, that's when my son was born. And just the realization of like, man, I'm probably not to where I'm, I should be to be the husband, the father, the professional golfer. Like at some point I'm going to suck at all of these if I don't start taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of when the, the conversation started, I'm going to start making some better choices. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing that. And then in the process of doing that, I really started feeling awful. <laughs> you, know, you start <laughs> kind of peel, you, yeah. you don't realize how bad you feel <laughs> until yes. you really start diving into it. And it wasn't like that, uh, you know, uh, oh, woe is me, but it was a little bit like, man, like you're just kind of treading water here. And the moment that we start trying to like, you know, find a little way to kind of free you up here, like, I mean, you're just going to sink to the bottom and ultimately that's what happened. And, uh, so kind of fast forward, um, I won again in 2014 and that's a little bit of when all the, the changes started to take place and started doing some lab work and started kind of, kind of peace smelling of like, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Maybe we just don't feel like a hundred percent of what we could be. Mm -hmm. And what were, what was the trigger for starting to dig into that? Was it how you were feeling or any certain you're having? It, it, it was everything, you know, I would, I, I could sleep at any moment of the day. Mm. I would literally, I, I felt like I, I could sleep 12 hours, wake up, be up for an hour and go right back to bed. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is, you know, habitual stuff. You know, I had no nighttime routine. I had no I mean, I mean, if you ask me what a nighttime routine is, it's yeah. like I lay there and I close my eyes and I go to bed <laughs> and like never understood uh, any kind of, you know, dietary as far as, well, this can cause this, it cause this, mm-hmm. cause this. So I just started diving into it all. And, um, you know, I think as like, especially uh, golfers can tend to be like hyper analytical and, mm-hmm even though that is not my overall personality, but in my job, you kind of, you know, when you start to dive into something, you're going to go in, you know, kind of full tilt. And that's exactly what I did. It's like, well, I'm going to fix this. 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 And, you know, if you're going to train someone how to do CrossFit, like you're not going to start them on Murph. Like you're (laughs) right. Hopefully not. (laughs) I like, yeah. I mean, because it's over. (laughs) Like, yeah. Like if that's their first, they'll never do it again. And, And unfortunately, like I went like, I didn't know how to do a squat. And next thing you know, I like, I'm trying to do this <laughs> mm-hmm. and like, why do I feel so bad? Cause I had made so many changes so fast. Like literally I had no baseline or no, I no ability to be resilient in any mm-hmm. kind of like significant change. Mm-hmm. And so kind of the bottom fell out. Um, yeah. What were can you talk about some of the changes that you made? Like what, when you said you made a bunch of changes really fast, what, what did you go from, like before until what like it, it, make it, that it was a little bit of um like no soda a little mm-hmm. like trying to dive into it like a little bit more better nutrition start training during tournament weeks okay um and but but 
with no change to like any kind of practice, no recovery modalities, no, just like, I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to hammer it. Yep. Which in theory sounds great, but if you have no baseline, (laughs) you're, Mm -hmm. it's over. And so kind of get me into 2015 and that's when I, I really started to reach out and I started to feel like I, I had done some lab work that it came back a little bit like, yeah, this doesn't really make a lot of sense. Why, you know, you're 29 years old, what's going on here? Why are we having some of these things take place? And mm-hmm. um, I ended up having an opportunity to speak with some, you know, people that are incredible in their field, ended up with the guy at UCLA, uh, who's an endocrinologist. Um, and he's like, basically like house. Um, I didn't realize that was a, a real thing. <laughs> and, uh, uh, he had done some work with some other tour guys and, and kind of helped out. Uh, and I just said, man, I, I want to know, like, give me a path as far as what I need to do. And mm-hmm. he pulled me in his office after being out there for two days and he tested me for everything under the sun. And they thought I had a, like an autoimmune, like Addison's kind of thing, okay. as far as like the way that my like cortisol and every mm-hmm. my like hormone response to stress and everything was like inversely proportional mm-hmm. and just kind of like, all right, well, we're going to go see this guy and kind of figure it out. And he said, well, I'm going to tell you one thing that you're not going to die. And I was like, What? Like, <laughs> I mean, I didn't really come here for that part. Like, I just, right. like, just give me a, pl- give me a plan of what I'm doing. It's like, now, man, if you're in my office, like I tell people every single day, they have things that can't be cured. Wow. And that was the moment of like, I don't ever want to feel like this again, especially yeah. like my jaw hit the floor, guy cut my legs out from under me and literally just sat there in a full blank stare for uh, who knows how long. Mm-hmm. And he said, man, you've made two, you've made a lot of changes in a really short amount of time. And you basically opened up Pandora's box of all well-intentioned, mm-hmm. but you have no, no base to, to be able to withstand these things. So your body is just holding on to everything it possibly can. Cause it doesn't know what you're going to do to it next. Mm-hmm. It was under a lot so of I stress. came back a hundred percent. And then you have a, uh, <laughs> adverse hormonal response to stress from, you know, the way that your cortisol mm-hmm. goes to kind of throughout the day. And, you know, it's, it's high when it should be low and it's low when it should be high. And, uh, just kind of all the different things. I remember my, uh, um, like inflammatory marker, the way he pulled it, he said, if I did not physically take the blood out of your arm myself, I would have thought this was for a 75 year old man. Oh gosh, that's not good news and, when you're 29. And, Yes. And I was 29. So it was all these things were kind of taking place at once. And, uh, all the time I'm still trying to play and compete on the tour mm-hmm. somehow, Gosh. <laughs> and all kind of going through this. And he kind of gave me an understanding of, all right, these are kind of some baseline tests you're going to have and, and slowly be able to kind of pick little bits of information and kind of piecemeal a plan together as far as, all right, I'm going to take care of this first. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to kind of just incrementally go down this list and all like basically run of the mill stuff, but you're kind of taking all the information from the individual ones and putting together as far as the overall picture. Mm -hmm. So I came back Tennessee. I did, uh, I went to an allergist first. They thought I had some stuff with just everything that had taken place. And we were in a a guy's office about 10 in the morning 
And he turned a piece of paper around and had all these check marks on it. He said, do you see this? I said, yeah, it's a bunch of tick marks. He said, that's the number of times you've yawned since you've been in my office. Uh-huh. He said, you need, you need to go. And I went and saw his son, who is an ENT. Mm-hmm. And I literally left his office and went to the next. And the guy did a scan of my sinus cavity. Mm-hmm. Well, playing sports as a kid, I would broke my nose three times. And mm-hmm. I never really had it set. And basically the entire left side of my sinus cavity was done. Mm. Like I couldn't breathe. I couldn't recover. I didn't, so then mm. it kind of transpired and I did some sleep studies. I did back two back-to-back nights. I had 15 minutes of REM sleep combined. Oh my goodness. No, zero deep. Wow. Ever. No wonder you're so and, tired. And just, you know, it all started to kind of make sense. Mm. And, you know, no wonder your hormonal response to, to stress is, you know, mm-hmm. out of whack and, and how like your, your body kind of holds on to excess body fat and all these different things. Cause it's just literally just holding on for dear life. Cause it doesn't yeah. know. So I had complete sinus reconstruction in kind of the summer middle end of 2015. And honestly, that completely changed. It was brutal. Absolutely brutal. That's a rough surgery. Yeah. Yeah. So like, uh, turbinate, uh, deviated septum, uh, they basically wrote a rooter my sinus cavity oh, <laughs> and kind of reset it all in there. Yeah. And then they did a uh, soft palate in the back of my throat um, just to kind of create a little bit of airflow. Mm-hmm. And we had done a little bit of baseline testing and I'd started kind of getting in there, kind of running and understanding like what your VO2 was and kind of what it is and mm-hmm. by, by having the surgery and you know, starting to see the recovery within a very short amount of time, my VO2 went up 20 points. Wow. Well, just because I could finally breathe. Your body just breathe. needed some oxygen, yeah. <laughs> I just needed to breathe. <laughs> and uh, which is funny, I told some people that we were training with some guys and we were on the West Coast. And, like, man, you can run pretty good. I was like, man, I had the Tommy John surgery of running. And <laughs> uh, said, all these guys are going to find out that, you know, you kind of blow your, it's not great for seasonal allergies, but in terms of like to get some oxygen in there, it's pretty great. Yeah. Well, that's great. And so I think, so often just that part, you know, we think about sleep and nutrition and exercise and all these things, but just breathing, <laughs> one of the most basic things that we all need. And there's so many different uh, factors that can play into whether or not you're getting enough oxygen. So that's amazing to hear. And after, after that surgery, how did that affect um, your sleep and your energy and everything else? I mean, it completely transformed it. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, for the, I would, uh, I remember the doctor kind of doing my like pre-op stuff and he's like, it's going to take me about an hour, hour and a half to kind of get all this stuff sorted. And I'm really going to just mess your life up for a couple of weeks. He said, but I promise <laughs> at the end of this, he said, you're going to thank me. And if he called me today, he said, I need to do it again. Like I would a hundred, just knowing how I felt and mm-hmm. now, now that I'm capable of doing all these things now, like, I mean, it changed my life forever. Mm-hmm. And amazing you know, just made me, you know, now to kind of see like what your body is truly capable of. And it just makes you, I remember sitting there kind of once it all started to come full circle to know like, man, I am, I can do these things. I, I, my, this is what this was meant to do. And Mm -hmm. you only get one of these, like, this is it. Like (laughs) you can replace some parts here or there, but ultimately like 
this is it. So you only get one shot. So you need to be a good steward of it. If you take care of this, it is amazing. Like it'll take care of you. And I kind of misquote this a little bit, but people don't realize how bad they feel until they know how good they can feel. Yeah. And that was a hundred percent. Like, yeah, I just started building and building mm-hmm. and building and building. It's like, man, I feel great today. And I was like, I feel better than I did yesterday. And mm-hmm. it's all slowly, but surely coming together. So that was a, a cool process to kind of work through that. Um, in the end of like kind of working through and playing the tour 2015, 2016, kind of 2017 started kind of building a pretty good routine, but still like I kind of carried on, um, I was probably heavier than I should have been. Mm-hmm. And you know, I didn't really have the diet side sorted out. And it was December 2017. I'd reached out to Rich. I was mm-hmm. like, man, I like, I kind of don't really know what to do. My, my travel schedule kind of sucks for, for diet. And he's like, no, I, got, I started working with these uh, RP guys. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I had no idea what that is. He's like, well, I'm on a diet. I'm like, huh? <laughs> like, well, if you're on, I definitely need to be on one <laughs> and kind of going from there. And so he got me hooked up. Uh, I spent like 40 weeks. I sent a shirtless underwear and weight picture to a complete stranger that I have never met. <laughs> and I, I went from 232 and 26% to 188 and about 10 and a half. And I played the whole year. Wow. And wow, that's probably incredible. the big, yeah, probably the biggest I was at any point in my career. I was over 250 for a good portion of my career, but then I started making some changes, kind of see it. And then, then I started, the last part was kind of understanding the diet and the recovery aspect and kind of being mm-hmm. able to put it all together and what that looked like in playing full, excuse me, playing full time on the PGA tour and traveling to the extent of what we do now. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and what, um, at what point did you start doing incorporating CrossFit workouts or CrossFit style workouts? Honestly, a little bit throughout, like the first mm-hmm. workout I ever did at Rich's house, a guy pulled an assault bike. I met Josh Bridges in his kitchen in my underwear. And he literally <laughs> sat and continued to eat a sandwich while this complete stranger showed up and just started changing in the middle of Rich's kitchen. <laughs> and we got pulled an assault bike out and he's like, all right, this is kind of what we think that you should do. Like the team was training and uh, they were, I, they were doing stuff. I didn't know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then we did like a, a progressive like wattage hold for 30 seconds on 30 seconds off. And every five minutes, the wattage went up mm-hmm. and I had never really ridden an assault bike. Yeah. It's a I knew what pump. it was. And I got off and I was like, man, I basically just worked for 10 minutes and I am crushed. This mm-hmm. is amazing. And then the, kind of the light, the light bulb went off because in the world of golf, like the practice, the training, the prep and everything, it's, it's can be fairly monotonous from time to time. And there's mm-hmm. not a lot of, with the, like the evolution of track man and, and understanding the ways of using analytics to, to kind of tweak your performance and how you prep has made huge strides, especially since I've been on tour, Mm -hmm. but for the most part is, man, it's time, it's practice, it's some discipline. And that's the way that you get better. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of like a CrossFit style training 
was it's short, it's fast, and I can give you the same workout and you can do it seven days in a row, seven different ways. And the mm-hmm. end result is completely different. Mm-hmm. And I was in, I was hooked <laughs> as far as like, I'm going to take this mentality and this kind of understanding as far as how to train. And I'm going to figure out a way to incorporate this into golf. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of the different things, they don't, it doesn't really make sense as far as how to do that. Mm-hmm. But I was in and I was going to figure it out. Well, that's amazing. So how did, how did this all start to evolve into your routine now when you're traveling, when you're playing, how do you incorporate all these different factors? A lot of it is just trial and error. And I would say now my biggest uh, struggle is a sort of experimentation. Cause now I know mm-hmm. kind of a baseline. It's like, well, maybe if I do this a little bit more and yeah. I kind of have some guardrails up there and I have a doctor now um, who works with probably 10, 10 or so players on tour. And mm-hmm. he, he, calls me the guinea pig because a lot of things <laughs> like I, just because I know so many things like you don't know until you try mm-hmm. um so definitely have kind of learned to kind of pull back a little bit on the experimentation side and kind of find a plan to stick with it but but ultimately it's just adapting into my lifestyle understanding like like fasting while traveling understanding hydration when you're in the airplane for such a, a long period of time like we are like trying to build a we like, I don't have an eight week strength cycle. Like mm-hmm. we just don't have that. Like mm-hmm. I don't have, I, I, you can't do a, a periodization schedule for training. Like we mm-hmm. just don't have the, you know, I'm in a downtown phase mm-hmm. or I'm in a, you know, a, a high cardio output phase. So our we, our tournament weeks are like a microcosm of, of how you would plan a, for a year, just imagine, mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to explain it. So our tournaments are Thursday through Sunday, but a lot of times you, you arrive Sunday or Monday, like throughout the week. So mm-hmm. imagine this like sliding scale of this, you know, X and Y axis of like heavier, longer, slower. And as the week progresses to shorter, faster, lighter, mm-hmm. and we kind of do a, a Wednesdays the day before the event starts we do uh, like a fasted cardio, just a pure, like a complete reset as far as just the energy systems and everything to kind of go into the tournament week. Mm-hmm. And kind of once the tournament starts based off of tea times and stuff, you kind of build in a little bit of a, of a different still, you know, the intensity is still slightly on the uptick, but the weights are moving faster. The reps are higher. And you kind of build it around. I want to move well, and I want to have respect to going out there. And when I have to tee off, mm-hmm. that's great. Do you have a coach or a trainer who helps you program the workouts around your tournament? Yeah, uh, one of the guys that Adam Curley, who travels mm-hmm. with us on tour, he's a PT mm-hmm. and just and literally a guy that has become one of my best friends in the world. Mm-hmm. But we met through I had hurt my back my second year on tour and I had this guy that wanted to do back surgery I was mm-hmm. 26 oh gosh and he's like you're not doing back surgery at 26 man so we did like three a days at this and I knew him but not to the extent of how I know mm-hmm. him now and he's like I think I can fix your back and the day that I was supposed to have back surgery I shot 64 in Mississippi and two days later I won a tournament that I was essentially, I was supposed to have back surgery that same day. And we 
Well, he's like, I'm not doing this. And we've been together ever since. And so he's been the, I remember my first uh, workout with him was TRX Y's, T's and W's Mm -hmm. 25 single skip jump rope that I did very poorly (laughs) and like a jog. Uh Uh-huh walking (laughs) and that was kind of it and now to the extent of we always say like the evolution of our friendship was like we used to drink dr pepper before the gym and after the gym and we just hoped that he made it to the gym that day (laughs) and now the point of where he's almost like trying to get me to not go he's like you took a day off today great man that's awesome like (laughs) like, your body your body needs to recover it's like man we have come Come a a lot of different I was like, man, you know, I just kind of like, I stretched out. I kind of moved around a little bit. He's like, you, you didn't, you didn't work out. Like, no, I just kind of, I kind of took it easy today. It's like, that is awesome, man. <laughs> like you would have never said that years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. What a transformation. Um, okay. So, so going through, I don't know if you could take us through you. I'm sure you don't have a typical day, but on average, maybe taking us through kind of your routines around sleep, nutrition, exercise, recovery, um, what are the things that you're doing now that you found through all this experimentation to be the right recipe for you? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key is understanding that it's for you. Like this is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And like, I didn't have the the base to be able to do what I do now, you know, three or four years ago mm-hmm. and, or the understanding of really tried to, how to evaluate, is this working? Is it not working? you know, and kind of understanding of how you feel and, and kind of using the things around you to kind of help make those decisions. But um, you have any particular order you would like me to go in? Uh, let's start with sleep first. Okay. That's probably the one that I have made the biggest impact, understanding the biggest control of your environment. Uh, as cold and dark as you can get, uh, you know, kind of counterintuitive to kind of modern uh you know, most sleep guys say not to eat before I try to eat a small meal, especially in tournaments and stuff before mm-hmm. I go to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, no caffeine afternoon and understanding of when I play and what time zone that I'm going in. If you've never had Kristen Holmes on this podcast, the whoop recovery lady, I mean, she's the one that's basically taught me everything but understanding like how to travel from time zone to time zone and how to get acclimated to where you're going as fast as you possibly can. And then reacclimate back by operating in one time zone, but acting like you're in another one. It's like, I was like, like an alternate universe. She's like, kind of, but not really, but just kind of being aware of like, all right, this is the environment I'm going to like, how quickly can I adapt to that mm-hmm. just to where like, I can kind of build back into my normal day-to-day routine. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, I do supplement some as far as sleeping. I mean, nothing like a prescription or pharmaceutical or anything like that, like small dose CBD, uh, a, a small amount of melatonin just kind of from, mm-hmm. from here to there, but nothing to the point of where it's like reliant, mm-hmm. almost like the point if I know if I'm going to be able to give it the full value mm-hmm. uh, uh, and the time and effort to go and uh, consistency in uh, t- like time to bed and time awake. I think mm-hmm. the, the best, I guess, understanding of sleep that I've ever given is like sleep is like time. 
you can't store it up and put it in your pocket and pull it out when you need it. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be a That's good right. steward of it and you have to respect it and understanding like it, it, it is a, one of the most valuable tools that we have access to and figuring out the different things you can do to kind of help, you know, have control of that as the best you possibly can. Figuring out the nighttime meal was something that was a, a bit of a, because it, it, in your mind, like everything you t- were taught, it's the total opposite, like mm-hmm. fairly high fat, moderate carb and some protein. You're like, man, I'm about to eat this fat. Like before I go to bed, like it's just going <laughs> to sit on me. Uh-huh. But next thing you know, you're like, man, you need that slow digestion. You need something that's going to break down over time and, and kind of understanding like just you know how macronutrients work mm-hmm. and like how your body kind of responds to these different things. Um, I had a guy stay with me and he's like, I cannot believe you're eating that like high fat stuff before you go to bed. I was like, man, I'm about to go sleep like a baby. Like <laughs> next thing you know, like yeah. he's seeing like one, of, he's seeing more like one of my whoop scores or, yeah. you know, one of like an aura ring or anything like that. He's like, next thing you know, it's like the night before it's just killing this thing. <laughs> it's like, I feel great. Yeah. Uh, well, it just so goes to show the, the importance of that experimentation, right? Cause what works for you might not necessarily work for him, but mm-hmm. Um, trying it out and tracking your data and then figuring out what it is that works. Do you have a Uller or a chili pad or anything like that? I don't know. I, I would love to have one. I think those can be extremely helpful. I just try to keep my room yeah. really cold at night. Yes. Um, in the summer times I tr- travel with the actual, the single, uh, mm-hmm. like just the, the one person one, just cause mm-hmm. you can only get the room like so cold and we've been playing outside you know, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's physiologically impossible to lower your core body temperature by two degrees. So you have to use outside influences. And yeah. like, if I've been playing all day, it's a hundred degrees. Like I'm, 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 I need all the help I can get. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I travel, I travel with that on the road and, you know, I'll cold shower, I'll do everything I possibly can. Just so when I get in there, you kind of, you you signal your body to know like, Hey, it's about go time here. We're, we're, we're about to do this. That's awesome. And then what does your nutrition look like and how do you keep that on track, especially while traveling? The um, RP was great. The templates that they build out to understand like mm-hmm. what a plate look like, understanding mm-hmm. like fat, carb, protein, veggie, and kind of how that is a, a little bit of a swing. And those proportions are, you know, need to be respected throughout, like, you know, whether it's a training volume or a high, we, I've got, uh, four pretty long stints where I'm on the road for probably 30 plus days at a time. Mm-hmm. So knowing that and knowing the training volume and the practice and the travel and kind of how like, all right, man, we can slightly increase this and maybe pull this back down. And then kind of, you just have your overall baseline, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you, that's, what's going to be a part of every one of your meals and just kind of how to balance that proportionally. And, you know, the supplementation side, I know I, I turned 36 yesterday. So, mm-hmm. Happy you know, birthday. I, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'd uh, understanding like, you know, some deficiencies and different things throughout just like for some reason, every single golfer on the PGA tour is deficient in vitamin D like, which is not, it doesn't really make sense. Right. But, of all people, <laughs> you'd think you guys would have the best shot at any person. Yeah. Uh, of all my friends and we all use the same, like we all sit with all our labs and we're like, how is this possible? Like <laughs> we are outside more than any people we know. So, um, 
just understanding like supplementation and kind of building a, a routine as far as what you, and those are kind of what like the baseline, like lab values kind of give you access to. And, mm-hmm. you know, understand like the platform that you've created is, is understanding that like information goes a long way. And, and I was the complete opposite of that I didn't want to know anything. I wanted to claim ignorance. I wanted to, you know, ultimately it was no one's fault, no one's fault, but my own, as far as put me in that situation. And I was trying to blame everyone else and everything mm-hmm. else for why I felt the way that I did. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would probably do quarterly labs and kind of understanding that throughout seasons and, and different things. Um, like I'd always struggled in the month of March, mm-hmm. uh, in my career, like, trying to figure it out, like seeing these like astronomically high scores of just like what's going on here and come to find out that like has some really, really bad seasonal allergies. And that's the time of year in the world of golf that we play that all the grass is overseeded. And like I had an, an allergy to it of mm-hmm. the overseed that we play on. It's huh. like, no wonder I suck. <laughs> <laughs> and just just kind of building a treatment plan as far as all right i know how i'm going to do this this is how i'm going to combat it this is the mm-hmm. things that i'm going to use to kind of build but if you, if you don't take the time to, to understand that you're just going to you know continue to struggle and have no clue as far as why when you can make little tweaks here and there to kind of make a huge difference and um so kind of i would put like diet nutrition you know kind of in the same bot but also overall just a, a health picture where you understand that throughout you things are going to change and mm-hmm. you know if you're going to have to c- continually kind of go back to not necessarily go back to the drawing board but you're going to have to have a way to evaluate as far as if, if these things are truly taken what you're doing is working and mm-hmm. what you can continually do to kind of push those things in the right direction mm-hmm so true. So true. Is there anything else that you found to be really helpful that's moved the needle for you in terms of recovery or anything else? Like hot and cold. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the perfect scenario when we were at, I was getting ready to take a red eye last year from San Diego and I had played on Sunday mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Josh Bridges house is pretty close to the airport. And I said, man, I'm gonna come over and we worked out and he's got a barrel sauna and he's got a freezer tub and we mm-hmm. did this contrast and his barrel sauna gets hot. Yeah. And I, I've never been a good red eye flyer, uh-huh. um, ever, <laughs> but I, I started, that was my first time really doing that length of contrast. It was like 20 minutes, one minute. And mm-hmm. we did it for like hour, hour and a half. We didn't have anything yeah. to do. So, I mean, you <laughs> have to have the time. Yeah, but not necessarily saying you have to do it for that length of time, but any opportunity kind of like shock, you know, kind of your nervous system and kind of get in a spot where it's kind of ready for anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I took that red eye and got back to Tennessee and my wife's like, what did you like? What did you do? Like, I didn't look, <laughs> I, I didn't look bad. I went, we, she picked me up. We went to breakfast. Like I was yeah. ready to go. And that was kind of the first kind of interesting, like, all right, I need to kind of try to learn to shock my system as best I possibly can and, mm-hmm. and get myself into a spot, but any kind of contrast and just putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and just dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I'm in my, this is my gym that we're in now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's an ice machine, there's a horse trough in the back and yeah. just literally people, and they sit like, see the ice, it's just, 
like, no, no, no. Like, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm going to work out and I'm going to leave. And then they get uh-huh. to the point of like, kind of start to see how they feel, sort of see how they feel the next thing. You know, like, do I need to get the ice ready? Like, are we about to do this? <laughs> so a lot of it's fear and probably mm-hmm. whether it's realistic or unrealistic, but, um, you know, the contrast for sure. And, you know, the making sure uh, so many people under eat, it, mm-hmm. especially they have high output as far as whatever, if they're in a sport, if they're in a, a de- just the fear of food is, I don't know what's created that. I mean, I, I had the opposite of that <laughs> where just in abundance, but understanding how to use few food as fuel and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of throughout your day and you cannot continually, uh, you know, kind of deprive that. It's just going to hold on forever. Um, balancing the, uh, like kind of intermittent fasting throughout travel days. Like I don't eat when I travel mm-hmm. like the moment. And then I, I basically try to reset my like eating calendar or eating schedule to the time that I'm going into. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I land, I work, like I work out mm-hmm. no matter what time of day. And it's not like, like I'm going to go do the, you know, toughest workout you've ever seen, but I'm going to move as mm-hmm. soon as I get there. And then I'll find food and then kind of go about my day. Like, I'm not going to put myself in that situation where I continually like, you know, put myself at a detriment mm-hmm. just cause I I've scheduled bad. So I, when I fly as a, a consideration and it's not always the cheapest, it's not always like the most convenient time-wise, but it's going to mm-hmm. work as far as my schedule, as far as to building in to understand, I don't put myself in a spot to go compete and, and where I can build into the week. And I'm not just going to constantly digging myself out of a hole. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. Um, so you made a, obviously with all of the work that you've done, you've made a huge transformation just in your health. What was the response from like your family, your friends, other players, um, just seeing you go through this whole process? Um, some of them, I've gotten every kind of comment you can think of good, bad, <laughs> positive well you've made these changes you haven't won and honestly like when I made the changes golf was not even a consideration mm-hmm. like I do this for me I do this for my family like mm-hmm. if if my career continued incredible like that's a huge blessing kind of feel like you almost got a second chance but at the end of the day like like I said earlier this is it like mm-hmm. I got to take care of this before I can worry about any of that other stuff stuff Mm -hmm. so to go out there and kind of you know be able to kind of tell my story and sit down in front of like you know don't make the same mistakes I did don't take your health for granted don't take your body for granted and be a good steward of what you are truly capable of you know if Mm -hmm. you kind of build in some habits that can kind of push yourself in the right direction and um I, I have seen a myriad of different things I've uh and I think it's more just being authentic and, and kind of, you know, do what you say mm-hmm. and have people, you know, kind of see your day-to-day life, not necessarily like you're sitting there preaching because I have no place to judge. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I, I know all the things that people struggle with because I did it and mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit there. Well, I did it. So you should do it. Like people have to make the decision and, and you're the only one that can make yourself do it. Like mm-hmm. no one can do it for you. And and ultimately I kind of thought someone was going to do it for me. And 
sadly that's not the case <laughs> I, was, I was very i was very misinformed but like my my dad uh we saw him last night for my birthday and mm-hmm. um he's a a big guy and you know we had you know just started doing some health stuff with him and started kind of figuring out and a little bit of it just not knowing and in the process is probably the last probably 18 months has lost about 70 pounds wow and he's 62 years old that's amazing so but just seeing different things like that mm-hmm. um well, the impact that you can have <laughs> just by him seeing you do it you know, the people around you seeing what you do and, and realizing that that can have a huge impact just in inspiring yeah. others and them seeing what's possible and how great you feel. And, and then they want to do the same. Yeah. My caddy is probably the person that, I mean, I spend more time with him than anybody mm-hmm. throughout this whole, like within the past year, he's probably lost 40, 45 pounds. That's and he amazing. makes a joke. He's like, I, I had to do something where I was going to get kicked off the team. <laughs> I, like, I said, I, I, I don't operate like that, but just yeah. to see him like, uh, never in my life did I think that we would be working together. And this happened, uh, last week we were getting, we were done practicing and he's like, are you about to go to the gym? He's like, I'm going to join you today. But just like the fact <laughs> yeah. of like, it's, it's, it's become such a habit now yeah. as far as it's not a matter of if and when it's just a matter of what time of day. Mm-hmm. Like, is it 4am? Is it 10pm? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what am I going to figure out a way to move and, you know, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, have this thing work the way that it's truly capable of and, mm-hmm. and kind of go from there. So I, I think th- those kind of things are super rewarding mm-hmm. um, in regards of like, I, I wouldn't sit in there telling my caddy he needed to lose weight or tell my dad right. or this and that, but they kind of saw some of the things that I did. And, and maybe that was kind of a, a spark or whatever and, and kind of see, but um, I was very thankful for the people that came around me and kind of pushed me in the right direction. And, uh, this was, I did not do this on my own. I had a lot of really smart people and a lot of people that I got to ask some questions to that are some of the best in the world at what they do. Mm-hmm. So if I have a chance to do things like this and talk to people like yourself and push it out there that, you know, a little bit of information goes a long way and, man, (laughs) truly shocking to figure out what you're capable of once you put yourself in that spot. Yeah, that's amazing. And I love how you said, you know, you really did this for yourself and for your family and not necessarily for golf first and how like when we all focus on doing things for the right reasons and um, not necessarily for, you know, other people or for other um, like, you know, whatever the the external appearances, but doing it for the right reasons, then other people around us see that. And it has positive, a positive impact. And so many other people are ripples that you probably don't even realize of people that have just seen your story and have been inspired and that's inspired them to make a change. Um, and so I think, I think a lot of times when we think about making lifestyle changes, if we do it for external reasons, it's not going to be something that's lasting, but if you do it for yourself or your family for the, for things that are really important to you, obviously this is something you're going to stick with for the rest of your life. Cause it's, you've seen the transformation. Mm-hmm. We do stuff with like corporate partners and everything. And I basically tell them like, man, if we're going to do anything like it, this is an authentic user kind of conversation. This is not, Oh, they just paid that guy to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm going to do and kind of be 
all the things that we spoke about, but like, you know, we're going to spend some time together and start to see kind of how this mm-hmm. works. This is not just, Hey, throw this out there on some social media and mm-hmm. figure it out. And then, you know, we'll just, we'll never talk to you, but it's kind of like the inner workings of how it's going. Mm-hmm. I had a, um, two weeks ago, we played the players and I had a guy that had reached out to me on Instagram and I, I had responded like very sort of vague and, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily like trying to brush him off, but more just, you know, and then he sent me this like super long thing about his health. And I was like, Holy cow, man, this guy is in a mess. And mm-hmm. I just kind of told him some stuff that I thought, I mean, I'm not a health expert by, by any <laughs> means, but I just kind of told him some things that I learned from my own thing and found out that basically his gallbladder was shot. Mm-hmm. And like he ended up coming to watch me play three days after having his golf. He's like literally pulling his shirt up in the middle. Oh he's, like, <laughs> he's like, this is the best I felt ever. Like he wow. just got married, like saw all these different things mm-hmm. and, and started to see kind of what you said, the ripple effects, a complete stranger that I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And he comes out like just to be able to kind of tell the story and, and kind of take the time and, and effort to kind of, uh, be intentional when, when given the opportunity and being appreciative of opportunity at the same time. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, and also I love that you're so open about all the sort of trial and error and all the experimentation and realizing that this isn't necessarily like a straight path. Like you said, you didn't want, you know, no, I feel like it's like <laughs> a lot of <laughs> ups and downs and yeah. And yeah. I think one of the other things that was really interesting that I read about was, um, was at one point you ended up taking um, a supplement that you real you re- later realized was on the ban list and you went ahead and reported that yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And that was something that was a learning experience and that gave you also a little bit of time away from golf that allowed you to focus on your health too. Um, can you talk about that? Yeah, it was a unique experience. And that was kind of, you know, and this is not a, a knock on, like physicians in general, but when you're dealing with overall general public health, you know, you, you kind of, you, you treat the symptoms and you treat, you know, kind of a a little bit more of like, Mm -hmm. instead of kind of looking at the causation as far as what was taking place. And I had a doctor that was just a general, you know, well-meaning everything. Mm -hmm. And I had some numbers that were off and, she had said, Hey, we, you have some things that are wrong. Um, I don't really know what's causing them, but we're going to figure it out. But in the interim, there are a few things that I feel like you could take that would kind of help. It's not going to fix it, but it could kind of help alleviate some symptoms. And, uh, I was like, sure. I went and got the grocery store, which Mm -hmm. knowing what we know now, (laughs) (laughs) uh, who knows what I had, but, uh, um, at the end of the day, it was my fault. Uh, it was, I, I didn't do the due diligence on my side to understand, um, you know, kind of the, what was, what was asked of us. Um, never, I didn't have a clue about any, I didn't know about water. I, and I mean, I was a PGA tour player. I just like, man, I kind of, I drink a lot of Dr. Pepper and you know, I kind of eat whatever I want. And like, never thought the first thing about taking a multivitamin or anything like that. So as that process, you know, I know now, but that was the kind of the transition period of year when golf was going in the Olympics. So we were coming under uh, a higher 
testing protocol and, you know, they started asking some questions and mm-hmm. I'd kind of started looking into this as far as what I was taking. And uh, throughout the whole process, I never failed a drug test. I never like had any issues of where it came up, but I mean, mm-hmm. kind of the integrity of the sport of what I play, like mm-hmm. I never did anything to gain an advantage. And ultimately it was just pure negligence on my part from not doing the, the digging to figure it out. And uh, I was suspended for three months uh, self-reported use of a banned substance irrelevant of a positive test. And, um, man, it was an eye-opening experience and kind of the, the first thing, the only response and responsibility came to myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I needed to be the, the person to kind of take ownership of all these different things and kind of figure it out and, um, you know, kind of get me to where I am today. And, uh, it was a, Honestly, I don't know if that would have taken place if I would have gotten to this spot. Mm-hmm. But I mean, not necessarily. It was like a wake up call. It was just kind of it was a a bump in the road, but a cool story to be able to tell on the backside. Because ultimately, like if I would have not said anything, no, no one would have ever known. Mm-hmm. Like I could, have, like I could have still been taking it to that. My numbers were so low. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> in order to like. It, it would have never shown up on anything. Yeah. So, but the fact of like, we call penalties on, our, on ourselves when we play, you know, at the highest level on the PGA tour. And, mm-hmm. and I would hope that other guys in my situation would do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the, the integrity of it. I think that you mentioned it's so important and just shows, you know, the integrity of the sport, but the integrity of you as a person too. Um, it was definitely a unique experience for sure. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, and doing, I think just in general, you know, when, you know, just trying to do the right thing, it always comes back. Even if it's, if you go through something difficult in the moment, it always comes back around, um, to be a positive. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, there's three questions I normally wrap up the podcast with. Um, the first one is what are the three things that you do now on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health? Uh, man, it's hard to narrow down. I would say (laughs) it is is definitely, I was going through my routine. It's like, well, that's important. And I do this (laughs) every day and I do this every day. Um, I don't know if it's a, basically a, a realistic view of my everyday life and being cognizant of truly the opportunity that I have Mm -hmm. and, it's not always the easiest thing to do, but I think it is refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, I be I try to be as consistent as I possibly can in my sleep. And I literally try to move every single day mm-hmm. and try to find the happy balance of all these different things as far as what I deal with on a day-to-day basis. And it can be uh, at the end, it can be at the beginning, it could be in the middle. And just finding the fact of like how much better I feel, you know, once it's all over. That's great. That is there three, th- three things? Is... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are many more, um, many more. And we've talked about a lot of them. Um, what is one thing that you think would have a big impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it or something you're working on? 
the contrast, the hot and cold, mm-hmm. and a little bit of it is just like I I need to figure out the best way to do it in the perfect scenario. But the traveling and the the this that's something that I I could definitely be more like I just need to search it out more because mm-hmm. I know how much better I feel and I respond well on the extremes on both sides and neither one of them necessarily bother me more than the other. Mm-hmm. So if you can kind of tolerate it, learn how to get in there. It is great, but that's yeah. something that, you know, like, you know, and you know, you should, but just trying to figure out the actual, the best way to kind of implement it as something in there. Mm-hmm. And I need to stretch way more. Like <laughs> my, my mobility is decent, but I could spend a lot more time than I do. And I even make a conscious effort, but I can always do more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that hard, the hot and cold is just one of those things logistically challenging, especially when you're traveling. It's great when you have a good setup at home and you can do it consistently, but travel in order to do all of these things, they they just require a lot of planning and mm-hmm. forethought. So it's a lot to juggle. Correct. Um, all right, last question is, what does a healthy life look like to you? A healthy life is someone that has a good perspective on all things and understanding that the cause and effect of decisions that they make and what that looks like on a day-to-day basis from how they eat, how they train, how they sleep, how they interact with others. And, you know, it's not fear-based, but it's more, you know, you get in what you put out or you get, try to think of the best way to say that you get out of it, what you put into it. And Mm -hmm. I flipped that. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> we got but, it. But, 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 but an understanding of, you know, I, I feel like throughout a lot of people that I come in contact with, it's like, oh, you can't do this or you can't do this. Like, well, no, I, I can do this be- because I've done all this other stuff. The work has been done and the work is continually being done. Like, it's okay to enjoy life. And like moderation is, is throughout everything. And I feel like, you know, our lives are meant to be enjoyed, but understanding, but also respected at the same time. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's wonderful. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And thank you for being such a positive example. I think for so many people that, you know, you can feel so much better than you think. And when you're, when you're struggling with something, seek out those answers, seek out people around you who can help you. And then at the end of the day, like you said, it, it kind of falls on you, um, but you've, you've taken it and run with it and gone through all the experimentation and figured out a plan that works for you and not used your travel or anything else as an excuse. You've just tried to find a way um, to make it all work. And it's amazing to see you feeling so well and doing so well and doing it for the right reasons um, and having the integrity that you do and all the ways that that then trickles down to the other people in your life and and people that um, look up to you. So Thank you for being such a great example and for sharing your story with us. Well, thank you for having me and uh, best of luck in Kentucky. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please consider subscribing and giving it a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does help to get the word out to more people. 